A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Brian Laffin, and along with my producer, Jose Fernandez-Alameda, we are thrilled to bring you a new episode of Stream Close-Up. Our guest today is a star of stage and screen, both big and small. He's worked on some of Hollywood's all-time blockbusters, as well as some of the most interesting independent projects. His TV credits include Seinfeld, Entourage, Watching Ellie, Prison Break, Weeds, Joey, Wilfred, Black Widows, and The Blacklist, just to name a few. As a young man, he was a key player with the Swedish Royal Dramatic Theater, studying under the great Ingmar Bergman. His film credits would take a full day to list. A few projects that you may have heard of include the Coen Brothers classic Fargo, and my personal favorite, The Big Lebowski. He brought the overwrought cosmonaut Lev Andropov to life in the massive hit Armageddon. He channeled John Lennon in Million Dollar Hotel. We are, of course, talking about Peter Stormeray, one of the greatest working actors of our time. We'll talk about how it all began and his most recent project, Swedish Dicks. And along the way, we'll discuss the Coen brothers, Ingmar Bergman, leaving the Swedish Royal Theater, Clint Eastwood, Billy Bob Thornton, Steve Buscemi, Anthony Hopkins, Lou Reed, Bono, Tom Selleck, and John Wayne. In for his stream close-up, the great Peter Stormare. Dear friends, welcome to Los Angeles, the la-la land where dreams can come true. And actually, mine did, at least for a while. Nowadays, I live in the darker areas of the city. It's not as pretty and a lot less sunny. So how did a Swede like me end up in Los Angeles? barely making a living as a private investigator? That's a story for another day. Welcome to the show, Peter Stormeray. Whoa! Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having us. Uh, We have limited time with Peter. You have 
an amazing career. If people look at your IMDP page, I mean, there's days worth of material for us to work with there. I want to know, when you got started, why did you start chasing this? I mean, you were a young man when you got hooked up with the Royal Academy here. What made you, what was the switch? What said, I want to do this? Oh, you mean the move to Hollywood? Or? No, 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 I mean, no, I mean, mean, I mean jumping, into, jumping into acting. Uh, because I was lost. I didn't know what to do. I come from a small village up in the north. And by accident, I came down to Stockholm because a voice led me and said, you got to move your home village. You got to move. And I came down here and by fluke, I got a ticket to um, a technical rehearsal at the National Theater, the Dramaten. If I mention, how old are you at this point? Uh, 21. 21, okay. And I saw my first theater ever. And it was like coming to heaven. What was the production? It was called the Ditch Gruppen. <laughs> Ditch Gruppen. <laughs> it's one of the worst flops in the history of uh, Royal Dramatic Theater. But for me, it was like heaven. It's like a door opened and said, welcome. You got to be here. We want to, this is your home. And it took me like three, four years and three years to get to into the drama school. And then, and like, what is that? You're 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 trying out every semester, or yeah, every every year they have. And I tried for twice, and uh, I got a mentor, Hans Wiegren. He was the head of the Sien Skolan to be, to begin with, and then he went back to Stadsteatern and he took me on. And he said, oh, two years from now, you're gonna be ready for." the same school, um, the Academy of Acting. And he was right, I got in. Are you doing like exercises with him? Yeah, yeah. Seeing a lot of theater, starting to work backstage at Dramaten. And uh, I got in, I got to Dramaten right away. And uh, actually it was like five years after I saw that play, I was on the same stage, the big (sighs) stage, and I performed. And I remember the first time I went in to perform on that stage and I said I could almost see myself sitting there watching myself it's only five years apart magical that was magic yeah (laughs) I first saw you in I got I'm going to date myself here but 1988 when you were doing Hamlet and that was a production at uh, Brooklyn Academy of Music Oh, yeah. And you were doing that in Swedish. I didn't understand a word of Swedish at the time, but I understood Shakespeare, so it was a fantastic experience. Yeah, yeah. It was Because we had been here. We went on a world tour. We had been butchered in Sweden. It was the worst Hamlet ever. Too it, modern? What did they not like about I, it? They hated everything. It, and Bergman was really, really sad because he was more sad about the actors in, you know, performing for all this shit we got. But then we went to a lot of cities all over the world and, you know, people were standing up and we got reviews after reviews that was astonishing. And then we came back with all the laurels to put in front of the reviewers here in Sweden, which was nice. You don't appreciate us at home. Yeah. But it's nice to have Debbie Harry, Richard Avedon, Mike Nichols, and uh, Lou Reed sitting in the front row. Who? Who are these people? I never heard of any of them. <laughs> you know, I almost stopped and just said to Lou Reed, 
I love you, <laughs> in the middle of a soliloquy. Wow. You must have had a lot of those moments in your career. I mean, you've worked with so many of the biggest, biggest stars, biggest names, biggest directors, biggest producers. Yeah. Is it just a dream come true every time you turn a corner, every time you open up a new if I project? Look, if, if I look back, it's, it's, a bizarre, it's a bizarre journey coming from Helsingland up there in the smaller village. But at, at the same time, it, it was a dream or a premonition when I was young from the age of five. I knew this was going to happen in my life. Not necessarily the career I've had, but similar. I knew I, I was about to live in California, close to Disneyland, and work with movies, I said, when I was five, six years old. And um, I don't know what comes first, premonition or stubbornness. Uh, that's <laughs> Determination. A, that's a reoccurring theme, people we have up here. These... These yeah. things don't come easy and they don't come quickly. No, it's it's a it's a long way, but but it's the greatest thing with it all is all the people that I worked with and met. You hear a lot of rumors, you hear a lot of bullshit, and then when you work with people, ninety nine point ninety nine are really genuine, hardworking people. They want to create a great movie, a great play, or a great opera, or a great television series. People are determined. They are so full of life and love for the project. And I think that is something that I like about the American way. I, I don't want to say it's completely different to the way we work here, but it fits me better to place your heart into a project and even your own credit cards, Ooh. even your own house on the second mortgage. Ooh, living on the edge. I thought they said, don't do that. Let someone else finance your projects. Yeah, no, no. Mm. That's that's where the passion comes in. Yeah, you're all the, in. You're all in. Skin in the game. Yeah. And um, so, so Can I ask, you made a tradition tra transition to the States in the 90s. You went to New York first? Yeah, I lived in New York. Yeah, by the eight. End of the 80s. And what were you doing there? Were you chasing stage work? Were you work chasing film? Yeah, both. Both? Yeah. I, 86, I got a, my, my agent, my first agent out in LA and then New York. So I had a lot of offers and <clears throat> so I had a lot of offers, but I had a contract with the Royal Dramatic Theater and I never got, you know, a sabbatical or a hiatus okay. they never said you know i have a i have a television series here it's only six weeks i need to go into the u.s and I said no Ooh. i have this i have this i had miller's crossing with the cone brothers yeah. i had an offer for three weeks in new orleans no i got a win wenders offer and they said no you have your, you know you got to work here you got to start a project then 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 and finally, I said, nah, I don't think these offers going to come again. So I said, bye-bye, and I just left. How hard was that? No, it was easy. It was, okay. I did over a week and bye. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody was thinking, like, more or less, where the hell is he? I was just gone. Yeah. I, was, I was in New York then. And what did you step into? What was the next project? Uh, I, I did a play called Rasputin off... off off Broadway, and that gave me a lot of recognition. It was a big success, mainly because I was a crazy Rasputin. And I got a 
I got very well known, you know, ICM, one of the biggest agents. Yeah. And Sam Cohen was an agent for, you know, a lot of big stars. So he took me on. So he got me a lot of jobs. And if I didn't have a job, he provided me money so I could pay my rent. So, were you living as a starving artist at that yeah, point? Yeah, I was a starving. I did demolition, construction, and then occasionally some theater and some small independent movies. Now you have such again, you have such a career. It's not something we think about that you had that kind of struggle in your past when you when you look at all these credits. Yeah, you have to do. If you live in New York <laughs> as an aspiring artist in any way you have to do demolition and construction or work in a restaurant work in a restaurant i'm bad at being a bartender (laughs) (laughs) um so what was your first big film role the first there was something called that no one a movie no one ever saw really but but it's called somewhere in the city it was an independent small hit and that led to a couple of more independent movies, and then I was on stage, and then it came to Fargo. Like in 94, I did a play at the Public Theater mm. in New York. And what was that? It was called A Swan. A Swan, okay. And Frances um, and McDormand was my, I was a swan, and she was a girl. And she, fall in love with, she fall, falls in love with a swan. And um, and also the Coen brothers came to see her, and I was on stage. And so we met. We hadn't met before because of Miller's Crossing that I couldn't do. And then uh, they came up with this formula for Fargo. And uh, then they opened another door for me by doing Fargo. And Fargo was supposed to be a, a really big, big flop to all the people who saw it before it opened. No one liked it. <laughs> and now, and now it's a spawned yeah. a TV series, a yeah. special TV version for, movie of it. It's Every a, five years, doesn't you, you know? It's like Led Zeppelin release it again, <laughs> remastered, <laughs> remastered. How, how do you feel about that? I mean, do you do you bother to watch the TV version? Are you interested? Do you feel a little ownership there, or is it so far away? No, I I saw the pilot, and it. That's the only thing. I never see TV or movies. I'm one of the crazy guys who works with TV and movies, and I never see anything. Okay, so I won't ask you what you're watching then. No, I saw, I saw the pilot. No, I, I rarely see TV. When the Coen brothers come to you with Fargo, how far developed is the character? Do you, what do you get to add? I think they pick their actors after the character because... In Fargo, it was based on a character, a mm. true character from when they were teenagers up in St. Paul, Minneapolis. Mm. And he was supposed to, he was sort of more or less mute and he smoked all the time. Mm. So... Um, big I, big I, presence for very few lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just leaned back and I said, Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood in the back of my mind, you know, from The Good, Bad and Ugly Good. or yeah, other yeah. other spaghetti movies. Clint just glinting a little bit with his eyes. And <laughs> what was it like teaming up with Steve Buscemi? Great, great. He's been a friend for forever now. But, you know, on camera, he was talking a lot. And uh, he actually got the 
part in Miller's Crossing that made his career because he did the audition fastest of everybody because he was the bellboy. And everybody was, they had a monologue and he did it, I think, in 26 seconds. And the next one, the runner-up, was 35. So he got the part. That's so that's how he made his career. So so if I was an auctioneer, <laughs> I could have won that role. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Offset... He's so quiet, and I'm the talker. I'm the talker, but but it's Rever- reversed in your characters. Yeah. yeah, Steve is very, yeah, seclusive and very mysterious, but a very funny guy. But he's very quiet, very shy. Okay, and clearly something resonated between you and the Coen Brothers. They wanted you for Miller's Crossing. They used you in Fargo. Yeah. They bring you back for one of the greatest movies of all time, The Big Lebowski. Yeah, what was that like? working as a nihilist <laughs> it was funny because they, they built because during Fargo we we were me and Ethan were doing a lot of skits about people speaking German you know broken English German accent so they came up with this part that is four different guys I think <laughs> So they say you had to do the nihilist or the nihilist. Uh-huh. So the genesis of that is on the set fooling around on Fargo. I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and that's how they started, you know, to bring in the German accent. We're going to cut off your jaws and yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's I, I'm just waiting for my next project with them. It's been 18 years now. I'm sure they're going to listen to this. You guys, give yeah. them a call. Yeah. <laughs> If, but just fascinating sort of how you've done independent films. You've been part of these massive, big budget, the biggest Hollywood budget films of all time in the moment. You've done stage. You're a musician. You're doing TV. Yeah. What, what's your sweet spot? Um, music. Yeah, ooh, are you still, uh, what is it, uh, Blonde from, from Fargo? Are you still working the band? Yeah. First of all, so, 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 let, let me yeah. just say, I saw the EPK of that. It was around Lebowski time. Yeah. You're working with Flea. You have a lead guy who's a musician. It's very daring of you to bring your music out in the middle of all that. I did it actually on a million dollar hotel. Okay. Um, working with Bono. and another, yeah, Exactly, another one. Uh, yeah, and Bono had some songs for me because I was doing John Lennon or the guy who thinks is John Lennon. Mm. And Bono had some snippets of songs he had written for me to strum on my guitar and sing. And I said, well, I have my songs, listen to this. And I had some tapes from, you know, like a four track. And then I played them on my guitar. And he said, those are very cool songs. You should get a drummer and a bass player or whatever, and you should start recording. And I did, and I still do, but mainly for myself in my vault. I I don't want to become a rock star. It's too boring to go out. Yes, you do. Every actor (laughs) wants to be a rock star rapper. Every rapper or rock star wants to be an actor. That's just the formula. I think we we all, actors with some talent, has musicality, musical, musical ear. And it's just great therapy for a lot of us. I mean, I know also Billy Bob, but he tours occasionally, okay. but he does a lot of stuff just down in his little studio in his basement. Do you have Do you have a bass player and a drummer that you work with regularly? or you, you? I do, and I play, I don't play drums, but I play bass a lot. So I, it's, it's, it's therapy. It's, it's cheaper than a shrink. Okay. 
and m- music, but I also want to direct more. I want to go back to direct some stage, and I want to direct some of my movies that I've had in my briefcase the last 20 years. I want to spend my last 20 years, if I still have it in me, doing my stuff. Doing your stuff. Yeah. Okay. How, how, how much of your characters in these things you do is your stuff? I mean, do you, again, I asked you about the, the Coen brothers. You say they, they cast you after the role. Do you get a chance to, like, fill these characters when, you, when you're on prison break, when you're on blacklist, when you yeah, make yeah. an entourage appearance? Of course. Of, of course. And I, like every actor, you want to do Prince Darkness. You don't want to do, you know, Prince White. It's boring. Everybody wants to do Macbeth on stage now i said the word you can't jinx it Mm -hmm. i'm on radio i'm not on stage here but but i have always tried to do bad guys with a little question mark with a glint in my eye so they get interested it's it's been a tradition in hollywood with a bad guy to just come in and say the line and be the bad guy, like a little bit of a stereotype. And I try to do the stereotype. Of course, a bad guy is a cliche, but you can do a cliche with some depth Mm -hmm. and you can do it with a little question mark so people get interested, who the hell is he? The best example is Anthony Hopkins, you know, in Clarice. Even if it's he, one of the creepiest characters, you get in, interested. Yeah. Who the hell is he? I want to see more of him. I want to listen to him more. I don't love him, but I'm drawn in. Yeah, somehow. yeah, yeah. And you can do you, you can do that with um, with the bad boys, <laughs> you know. And it's an old saying: it takes a good guy or a good actor to do a bad boy. <laughs> So it's always because also from being abroad, having an accent, doing different accents, because everybody in Hollywood think if you're a producer, if you're born in Europe, you can speak all the European languages. You're you're a Russian, you're an Italian, you're a German, you're the the bad guy from somewhere else. So um, you have an interesting little twist. Sometimes you throw in a little Swedish in your roles. Yeah, I tr- yeah, I try, I try to here and there. <laughs> it's, it's, I appreciate it now that I understand. I didn't know what was going on early yeah. on. We have limited time here. They're starting to tell us that uh, we're coming to an end. We need to get to the headline here. You're here to talk about season two of Swedish Dicks, which is coming back to via play later next month. Tell me yeah. how you got involved with that. It's an interesting mix. It's a Swedish production done in the States for both markets. For the first time in the history, the Vikings came over once again, took the country. We did it, you know, without even anybody knowing we did it. We just went over, did it in English with a Swedish, you know, lead and co-star and but how does how does this project come to you? How does it? When, when do you first hear of Swedish Dicks? Because I wrote it. Hey, Graham, I've been meaning to ask your advice on something. I have you, buddy. I've been thinking about getting myself a guitar. You have a favorite guitar? Nineteen fifty-nine Gibson Explorer. That's my baby right there. How much? 
I'd say at least two fifty. Two hundred and fifty dollars? No, 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 no. Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Ooh, now that is a lot. And when did you take this photo? Yeah, yeah, just last week. So, how come you filed an insurance claim two months ago saying it was stolen? The fuck is this, Frisco? His name is not Frisco. It's Axel, and his name is not Ricardo the Magician. It's Ingmar. And you have just been busted for insurance fraud. You just pretended to be my friend for two months just so I would show you that picture. That's right. What about Paintball Thursday? Not gonna be any more of those. Melissa broke up with me, and you gave me a hug and said rose before hoes. Yeah, I, I don't believe that. And when we looked up at the stars and talked about the future, man. Yeah, we're not going up a microbrewery, Graham. Who the fuck are you guys? We're dicks. Swedish dicks. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You wrote it. Okay, yeah. there you go. So this is, so, your, this is your baby. Or, yeah, at least I'm impregnated Peter Setman, our showrunner. But I had written uh, a lot of a couple of episodes on on a true story. He wasn't Swedish, but I thought I could use it as mine because people in the stunt business, a lot of them injure themselves. So there are stunt mm -hmm. people dying every year in Hollywood and uh, paralyzed, and some of them have a very strong connection to cops and to the military most of them know have gun licenses and if they can't work as a stunt guy 
some of them move over to become a private dick, a private investigator. Do you remember a TV series with Lee Majors, Life of a Hollywood Stuntman? Yeah. Dude, a little bit of that post-career. He's not quite a detective, but he's solving problems. Yeah, he's solving problems. But but many of them go, you know, stakeout, looking, you know, infidelity, Mm. the lost daughter where she is and and sometimes bounty hunting is still very yeah. lucrative in mm-hmm. in the US and it's still legal to bring him in for the price you can't bring him in dead no anymore but it is pretty lucrative you say that sadly <laughs> yeah <laughs> would it be easier but it is a profession that you can make i mean some of the big guys makes millions of dollars every year it's a nice premise though for telling the different stories with each case as well yeah to cover a lot of ground and then i but from the beginning i had wrote about this special guy that was myself who was an actor and then uh, we turned him into a a stuntman instead and then i approached peter setman a swedish Mm -hmm. showrunner that is and he said he loved the idea he said we should concentrate on doing it to half hour drama instead of an hour drama he said i'm more used to the half hour dark comedy and and i said in u.s it's lack of half hour good comedy so there's a sitcom it's the same it's the same people in every sitcom they just yeah change you constant. you're the same person in every sitcom you've been in every one of them out there so then we developed you know together peter and i we worked on it and together with my little company and his little company here we developed it and said we went to via play we went to a lot of entities here but via play was really eager and they were fast coming up with some money when we spent our own savings accounts and we said Let's shoot it as an independent little movie, five hours long, ten episodes, cut it up. and just do it without asking anybody in the U.S. to give us permission. Apologize later. I like that style of going. Let me ask, Via Play took, took on this production. Do you feel a difference in the market now with all these new windows to go with your creative material? Is it a good time to be a creator? It's a good time to be a creator. Yeah. This is, this is people compare it to the 60s or 70s when every band who could play three chords got a record deal mm. and they had one hit and they could do three albums and none of them sold. It didn't matter because they had one hit mm. and that paid all the money. And it, it is fun. It's, it's really fun. And the old industry of the, you know, the single guy getting $25 million and the rest get nothing mm. is gone. There's not going to be a time, 10 years from now, there's not going to be any movie stars anymore. It's just going to be a couple of faces that are popular. Justin Bieber is going to be there for Mm -hmm. a couple of years and then somebody else comes up, the same in the movies. It's like the record industry. Mm -hmm. So the good old recipe is gone, thank God. The dinosaur has to die. So that we can have oil to fuel the next generation. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, they're dre- they're, I see people here are waiting for you to make a move. You're busy today on the, yeah. doing the work, selling Swedish dicks. For everyone, it's coming back to Via Play. Christmas gift for you on the 25th of December. I got to see the first three episodes of season two. I like the plot twist for your partner. <laughs> little issue that he's facing in the background. Yeah. Uh, some very fun stuff. I want to ask you, you said really quickly you were thinking Clint Eastwood earlier yeah. for a role. What are you thinking for Ingmar, okay? And obviously Ingmar isn't an homage to Ingmar Bergman, but who are you thinking when you're doing that character? Oh boy, that's a hard one. 
I don't think about a specific okay. guy. I I built him on a character that it's not Bergman and it's not my father that had the same name, but it's a guy, it's a little bit on my father who, who knew everything about anything, but he was always on thin ice. I'm getting a little John Wayne, I have to tell you. <laughs> oh, it is a lot of Tom Selleck there. Okay. <laughs> Thanks very much for coming up, Peter. Really appreciate you taking Thank the time to join us. Thank you for having me. Take Thank care. You. Bye. Well, folks, that's the story of how I managed to pay off my debts and how the Swedish dick became the Swedish dicks. <laughs> I feel dick. If you're still wondering how I went from being an award-winning stuntman to a small-time private investigator who drinks beer in a cemetery and who will eventually find himself tied up in a chair in an abandoned building with an assassin ready to kill me. Well, that's a story for another day. Thanks again for joining us on Stream Close-Up. What a thrill that was to talk with Peter Stormeray. I just wish we had another hour or two to go through the rest of his career. Really, genuinely warm guy. Once again, I'm Brian Laffin, and Stream Close-Up is produced by Jose Fernandez Alameda. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us or give us a few stars on iTunes. We'd really appreciate that. And don't be selfish. Tell your friends about us. As always, we'd like to thank the good people at I Like Radio for giving this podcast a home. Stream Close-Up will be back as soon as we have something interesting for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.